0: Thank you, Pastor Jason. It's uh, definitely good to be here with you guys. Am I on here? I'm on. It was uh, good to spend some time with uh, Pastor Jason and Leland a bit yesterday. My son was playing some basketball in Sudbury, and so they came down, and we get to hung out for an hour and a half or so just to chat and and uh, reconnect and talk about life and ministry and all those good things and and cheer and yell and all that, too, in between, so... Um, you, you need to know how blessed you truly are uh, with your pastor, Jason Snyder and Arlene. And uh, not only, yes, not only is he a good leader here and recognized in this church as such and his faithfulness and diligence, but you need to know that he's also recognized by this district and uh, he may not have told you yet, and I'm sure the board knows, but he was selected to be our section pastor for all of Laurentian. Uh, One of the things that we do is we as a district believe in healthy leaders and healthy churches. And the one thing I've gotten to know about Jason over the years of serving with him is he has a heart for more than just uh, Espanola, more than just his church. And that's why you're sending a team to Cuba. And that's why he wants to serve any capacity he can. And I've used him in different committees, and he's been a blessing this last summer, last minute, he came up to Silver Birches and, and worked with all of our counselors and was a, just a joy to have him there. And uh, looking forward to having him serve pastors and boards all across the Laurentian section. So thank you for allowing him that extra time to serve in that capacity. And, uh, but I just want you to know how truly blessed you guys are. Not that you don't know it, but I want to say it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so I have a, I have, I have a few, I have a few kids. I have one little girl who just sort of makes herself known to everybody in the world, and found a new family when they walked in because she saw kids, and then th- that's my friend, and that was it. And I'm here with my wife Nancy and uh, my my youngest boy Declan. He's playing ball, uh, probably just finishing now and heading back home with uh, with other families. And uh, I got a 20 year old son, uh, Titus. Uh, who's in college and getting ready in the fall to to switch over and go to fire academy, and then I got a 15 year old son named Zane, and uh, Zane's a little bit of an anomaly. He's a unique individual. He's different than than his brothers, and uh, I actually tell him he's he's a little bit weird. Um, <clears throat> he he has this he has this innate inward sense as he's 15 now, and he's a boy. He's got this innate sense that anything in life worth having is worth putting everything into it. It's, it's just how he's wired. Since he was seven, it was like 6.30 in the morning. And, and we could hear this grunting and like outside in the summer. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look out the window. And there's my seven-year-old son, Zane, pulling this tire on a rope. Dragging around the, the yard. Like, Zane, open the window. What are you doing? Getting ready for football, Dad. <laughs> it's just how he's been wired all of his life. This is my son. He's always training for something. He's always putting in the effort. So he's 15 right now, and we've got like a, a whole gym, power, rack, weights. My oldest son is a, is a bodybuilder. And so Zane does that. And when I mean he lifts weights, like he's out there every night but one a week. And he's putting in an hour and a half to two hours. He's constantly working out. He trains. He goes for a two-hour basketball practice, comes home, has a shower, and then hits the gym. He's 15. And he's been doing this for at least a year and a half, two years. Like, he's just wired this way. He believes in sports. He has this incredible work ethic. He's the kid, if I need extra help around the house, and I'm like, I got him. Zane? Yeah, Dad, I'm coming just how he is. He's so willing to work. He believes in hard work. Things don't come to you just because you show up, put on a smile. You have to work for it. Zane's not my most athletic kid, but nobody outworks him. And right now, me as a dad tooting my son's horn, he's in grade 10, supposed to play junior ball, but he got moved up to the senior team and he's starting on the senior team. He just believes in working hard. Now, Zane was annoyed after one of his practices <clears throat> one time. God picked him up from school, and I'm like, what's wrong, man? And he's like, I'm so frustrated with these guys. They drive me nuts. And I'm like, why? They don't put in the work. They're lazy. They have no passion for the game. They don't get that, it, that where we want to go, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. They're dragging me down, Dad, and they're not going to let the team succeed and become what it needs to be. He's 15 and I reminded him that they're just teenage boys and that they're normal. You're the weird one. He said, no, dad. His reply is, I'm just built different. I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. I don't want to look a little bit today about some guys. We've got to get the screen switched over to the sermon notes there, please. Talk a little bit this morning about what it means to be built different. Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. And they were fishermen. And they were casting their nets into the lake. And Jesus said to them, follow me. I will teach you how to bring in people instead of fish. And right then the two brothers dropped their nets and went with him. And Jesus walked on again and soon saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they were in a boat mending their nets. And at once Jesus asked them to come with him, and they left their father in the boat. their hired workers, and they went with Jesus. These men were also built different. I want to talk to you this morning about being different. I want to talk to you this morning about living differently. That we as Christians are called to live different. If you read in the, first, uh, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter talks about Jesus' statement, Be holy as I am holy. Live holy as followers of Jesus. This word holy is different than what many people would desire to be. Scholar William Barclay says actually that the root word for the word holy is the same as the root word for different. You see, the temple was holy because it was different from every other building. And it was to be treated differently from every other building. The Sabbath was holy because it was different from every other day that you did your everyday occurrences. It's different. It's a day dedicated, devoted to the Lord. And Christian people are to be holy because we are to be built different than other people. Now, all through history, and we know... There are a lot of different ways that people uh, try to be different as Christians. And we've, we've seen it imposed upon us. If you've been in the church for any length of time, possibly some of those things were imposed upon you. Right? The things that you wore in church were to denote what holiness was. There was a day that you wouldn't wear jeans to church. Because we all know that good Christians don't wear jeans on Sunday. That's the way it was. Right? Anybody remember those days? Right? There were days that you would never, ever, ever walk into any establishment on a Sunday unless it was a restaurant. How dare we shop on a Sunday? Remember those days? That's what holy people do. They're the people who don't do things. You know? We talk about people who are holy. Uh, They're they're the churches that only play Gaither music. Because is there anything else better than Gaither music? (laughs) I would say there is, but anyways, uh, because everything else is just worldly. It's not holy. Some churches don't allow members to watch movies or listen to the radio or read secular books and on and on. People have had, through the histories, these ideas of what it meant to be holy. But these misguided ideas of holiness are all external and nothing that involves the heart of an individual. This is not what holiness is about. This is not what Peter was talking about. You see, God is not looking for surface differences, but a difference of our hearts. And this is going to require that we leave all the old of our lives behind and we walk towards what's new in Christ. And the truth is, we cannot accomplish this new walk when half of us remains in the past while the other half is trying to move on. you got to be different. you got to be all in. You have to live different. That's what Christ calls us to. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that You'd speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, You know what needs to be said. You know us more intimately and more deeply than, than, than we want to be known sometimes. And so speak to us in those areas of our hearts that we've guarded, that we've kept away from you. And I pray that seeds will be planted, that we would, they would begin to blossom and grow and push back all of those things, Lord, that are preventing us from living different in your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, says this, and I'm reading in the ESV. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You really hear Paul's heart here. I mean, there's no rebuke. There's there's no demands, no, no mandates, no ultimatums to the church. All you hear is a heartfelt appeal, a plea, if you will. This genuine request. Will you willingly give your all to Jesus? He's asking us as followers of Jesus, will you be all in and give it all to Him? I'm asking you, it's your choice. But this is what the Lord wants from our lives. You see, being a Christian starts with 100% dedication to the Lord. We talk about tithing, and, and sometimes we focus on the tithing as, well, 10% is God's. Actually, no. 100% is God's. See, that, that, that's sometimes, I think, where we, 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 we miss out as Christians. We, we live in portions And we believe that all God ever asks of us is a portion of our lives. No. He wants everything. He wants it all. Your entire paycheck is his. Your entire life is his. And all he asks for you, once all of it's his, is could you just take 10% of what's all mine and return it back to me, and you keep the other 90% of what's mine? That's really what God's saying, and we get it backwards, and we say, I'll give you graciously, God, 10% of what's mine. And that's where we get it backwards. None of it is ours. And He lets us use 90% of His and just asks Him to trust us, trust Him, sorry, with 10%. God wants all of us, every ounce of us, not just a little portion. He's not looking for adherence to rituals and religious ceremonies. God is looking for all of our hearts to be passionately all in because we love him. My son Zane is in, all in when it comes to sports because he loves it. He's a quarterback in football. He's like starting basketball player. He's my setter in volleyball. He is all in. What do you want to do when you grow up? I don't care, as long as it has to do with sports. And he's a good student, too. But he's got this passion for sport. And the reason he puts his body through that agony, sometimes I go in the gym and I work out with him, and I'm watching the weights he's lifting, and I see his arms shaking but he won't stop because he has to get that last rep in. And I'm like, he's going to blow a bicep. Nope. He's all in. I've got and he's yelling, "I've got to get it up." And he gets it up. Because his heart is like, "I love this. I don't do it because I have to do it. I do it because I want to do it." You see? A totally all-in, dedicated relationship with Jesus is not about rules. It's not about things you have to do. It's about our love for Him. I serve you, Jesus, not because I have to. Because I love you. I want to be with you. I want to give you my life. I don't want to walk a little bit here and a little bit there and have all of this for me and then you can get this little portion. I love you so much. Nothing else matters. That's what Christ is calling us to. That's what Paul is speaking about in Romans 12.1. I've just started working with this group of young adult guys at the church that we attend in the Sioux. One of which is my eldest son something remarkable has taken place in his life and these other young men that I'm starting to work with. They don't want to just believe in Jesus anymore. They don't want to attend church casually when it suits their schedule. They don't want to just pray and read the Bible every now and then because it's something that they have to do. They really want to know Jesus. Jesus. They're tired of religion, they told me. They want to know a true, deep, authentic relationship with Jesus. That's what they want. My son, who's been living two lives for the last little while, the life that would go to church occasionally, and then the other life. And he never believed they needed to intersect. We can live two lives. All of a sudden, just flipped 180. And he's like, Dad, I'm all in. What, What happened? I just decided I want to pursue God. And he made this statement. He said, we want to pursue God because we want to, not because it's the right thing to do. And for Christians to to pursue God with everything within them, 100% commitment, it's got to be because we want to know Him deeply. Not because I have to. Not because it's the right thing to do. Oh, Sunday morning, 10.30, better get to church. Ah, 10.40, I'll roll in when I roll in. It's, I cannot wait to give my life to Jesus. All I want is Him. And then all these other things can be added unto my life. But the most important, the only thing, is Christ. And when I'm listening to this group of 20 something year olds saying they are now tired of just adherence to stuff, they really want to know this relationship with Christ. I'm like, man. Like I'm emboldened in my faith to evaluate my life, to ask myself, am I still giving God 100% or am I slipping down to 80? Is God really important to me or my everything? I still remember driving to church years ago when I was pastoring in the Sioux. And on the radio there was uh, um, uh, Smile FM. And, and they were, uh, there was this little girl who was reading her account of the Lord's Prayer, or, or um, um, the, the Psalms 23. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd. You're everything I want. <laughs> I thought, man, if that was us, think about it for a moment. If Jesus was everything we wanted, and you had him you would have it all. You don't need anything else because He's everything you want. Now, it's not that these other things can't be added unto us like Jesus said in Matthew. It's seek first the kingdom of God. Make Him everything you want. And guess what? Whatever else that you have that's added on, it's just bonus. But it's not the things that we want. But we do get it backwards, don't we? We want all these things and, and Jesus. Are we living different? Are we willing to be all in? Not because you have to. Because hear me, you don't have to. If you don't want to serve Jesus, you don't have to. Do you want to? Do you want to know Him? Do you want to experience His presence, His love? Do you want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to have a relationship with Jesus? Then pursue Him. Choose to, out of your heart for Him, but not because you have to, want to. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9. On the screen, but if you like to look at it in your Bible as well, Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Reading this morning right now to the Contemporary English Version. I like to change things up. I, you know, some years I'll read a lot of ESV, and then I'll read it a lot of NLT and NIV, and I just kind of stumbled on the Contemporary English Version. I just, it just was fresh; it was different. Like the way it was worded. It says, "If any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself." If you want to be my follower, Jesus says, forget about yourself. But, but what about my rights? Forget about yourself. It ain't about you. So I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes this morning, but it ain't about you if you want to be a follower of Jesus, that is. Now, if you don't want to be a follower of Jesus, then make everything about you. It's okay. Look for the most comfortable chair and, and make sure that Pastor Jason gets the right amount of attention from you all the time. Like, No, if you want to make it about you, that's okay. Just, You're not a follower of Jesus. If you want to be my follower, Jesus says, it can't be about you. Forget about yourself. You must take up your cross every day and you must follow me. If you want to save your life, you'll actually destroy it. But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. What will you gain if you own the whole world but destroy yourself or waste your life? What is it worth to gain everything but lose your life? If you want to follow me, Jesus says, and forget about yourself. That's hard, isn't it? Like I struggle with that. Guys, the reality is we're we're human and we want to f- we want to fight for what's wrong. We believe in justice, right? We all believe in justice. And we want to fight for for the unfair things that were done to us. I live in a sporting world, I've coached for years. I'm a lot of my Free time is spent in gymnasiums and it's not fair when a ref blows a call. I've been known to get a yellow card or two as a coach along the way because it's not fair. But it's just this complete flip around. Followers of Jesus. Life is not about me. I'm to die to myself. I'm to take up my cross and follow Jesus. I'm to model what Christ modeled. And when he was insulted, when he had the beard plucked from his face, did he retaliate and yell at the officials? No insult was found in his lips. No retaliation. Dying to self is not easy. But as followers of Jesus, we're not called to just believe in him. But give up our lives completely and follow him wherever he goes. This is what it means to be Christians. I don't suspect the disciples were thrilled when Jesus was teaching them this. Think about it they had already given up their their livelihood, they dropped their nets, stopped fishing, left the boats. See you, dad, mom, dad. I got to go. I'm leaving. What do you mean you're leaving? What do you mean you're going away? Think about it. Pastor Jason and Arlene, when they left their family, like, it's not easy. Many people who grow up in a town, they grow up in a town, they got uncles and aunts around and parents around and grandparents who got their grandkids and go watch them do the sporting events. Jason and Arlene moved here. They didn't bring their family with them. They said, I have a call on my life, Mom and Dad, and we got to go pursue the call. It's not easy to pursue Jesus. It requires of us sacrifices every day. But it's a joy. It's a privilege to serve Him with our lives. And why? We, We celebrated it this morning. Because He's given us everything. He's given us His life. So what more could I do than to just sacrifice in the Snyder's sake, four hours away from family and they can't come and see the grandkids play sports. I can sacrifice that because Jesus has given us so much. Guys, we are asked to lay down our lives And follow Jesus regardless. This is what a disciple is required to do. To die to themselves. Die to their dreams. Die to their wants, their rights, their comforts. This is what it means to not be a believer. There are a lot of people who believe in Jesus. But to be a disciple. You see, living differently as a disciple of Jesus will And I'm promising you this, it will at times be a long, grueling, lonely, and sometimes even painful journey. My family and I just went in yesterday afternoon to meet with uh, a fellow credential holder. He's uh, only 49, maybe 50. He's younger than I am. And uh, he's got four kids. The youngest is 13. He's got another 16-year-old still at home and two in her early 20s who are in college or university. And uh, he's dying right now of ALS. And I went in to see him just a month and a half ago. Had a great conversation with him. And his capacities mentally are all there. And we walked in and uh, his primary health care nurse said, just want to prepare you. You won't hear him very well. He can only whisper now because there's no muscles to provide the power for his larynx. He can't eat anymore. He's now in a feeding tube. We went in. We met with him, and he was happy to see my two kids and didn't know them, but just to talk to somebody else. Asked them how they're doing, what's life going on. We talked about his kids. Got to pray with him. He's so grateful. This man gave his life up to serve Jesus. Sometimes it's not all bells and whistles when you sacrifice. But we do it because we love Jesus. And He's worth it. He is worth it. And as I'm sitting there talking with Pastor Steve, there's no answer or thought of Regret or frustration about God. He was just, it meant so much. And you could hear him as I'm praying with him. Him whispering his praises to Jesus. That's a heart. That's living different. That's all in for the cause of Christ. Becoming disciples of Jesus is far more costly than being a believer of Jesus. But this is what Christ is calling each of us to do. He's calling us to a different life. A life of death to self. You see, for the great commission to work, he needs disciples. He needs disciples. Because mere believers who adhere to godly rules won't get it done. Paul implores us to surrender our total selves to God. Because of the great and immeasurable mercies that God has poured into our lives. That's why we surrender. We give it all to Him because He has given us His life. He's given us so much. I like what this author, Robert Haldane, says. He said, Paul presents the mercies of God to the mind of believers as the most powerful incentive to devote ourselves to his service. God has done so much. Why would we not want to give him 100% of ourselves? It's because God has shown us so much love and grace that we must pursue him. And the illustration that Paul paints for us is this Old Testament idea of sacrifice. You see he wants us to our, our, he wants our total lives to be a living sacrifice, one that is holy and acceptable to Him. And sacrifices this picture of the entire body being completely consumed on the altar. In the Old Testament, when an animal was put on the altar to be sacrificed, the whole animal was gone. It wasn't, let's just give a little scorch to, to say we've done something. Now you're off in your way now. The whole animal consumed, nothing left over. In the New Testament, what Paul is doing is he's pleading with us to live different and give every part of our lives to be consumed by God with nothing left over for ourselves. Being a disciple of Jesus is about living differently. Every ounce of our lives is His. It's no longer the language, well, it's my time. No, it's His time. It's my money. No, it's His. It's my talents, and I don't want to use... No, they're His. It's changing our thinking completely and recognizing that to live differently, everything that is me is His. Nothing do I own. Nothing do I possess. It's my God's and only His. And if we can pursue that kind of passionate lifestyle, wow, what a counter-cultural revolution will start. Because guys, we are bombarded every single day in our communities with personal rights and what's good for me. It's how everything in society is built. And so Jesus is asking us to live different. Don't be like everybody else. Don't fight for your rights. Be the complete opposite. Die to yourself. That's what Jesus did on the cross. It wasn't fair that he got accused the way he did. He didn't fight for himself. He fought for you. For me. Living differently is about dying fully to ourselves. Not only though does this act of sacrifice or act of worship, it's supposed to be complete, but it should also be reasonable or rational, it says. The Greek word here is logikos, which is where we get, and you'll understand it, our word logic from. The idea here given is that our sacrifice is to be logical. It's got to make sense. And another author, Cranfield, says that halfway commitment is irrational. It doesn't make sense. You can't be half in. To decide to give part of your life to God and keep other parts for yourself, to say everything is yours, God, but this relationship, this deal, this pleasure, is actually beyond spiritual logic. You can't be all in when only a portion of your life is His. Too often we live our lives with the belief that mere adherence to a set of expectations will give us a healthy relationship with Jesus. We believe that if we show up to church once a month or less, we'll have a good relationship with Jesus. If I'm there on Easter and Christmas, I'm in. I'm good. We have this illogical idea of what it means to be a disciple. This is not what makes us have a healthy relationship with Jesus. We're fooling ourselves if we think that. Try doing that with your spouse if you're married. I'll catch you next year. See how long you'll have your spouse. Right? Somehow we believe that a relationship with Jesus doesn't have to be all in. It can be dipping my feet into both worlds. And that's where my son said I was done with that. I want to pursue Jesus, and that means all in. Living differently is going to cost us, but it's not about rules that I have to do. It's about a heart that I want to do. This ring on my finger. It. It reminds me of things this ring doesn't make me faithful to my wife. Like, it's a rule. Oh, I have a ring, I've got to be faithful. It doesn't do that. It reminds me that I have given my life to the woman that I love. And it reminds me when I'm being a moron that I love my wife and I need to treat her like she is the most important person in the world. I don't, Honor her because I have to, but because I want to. I don't love her because I wear a ring. I love her because she's given me everything. And the least I could do is give her everything. And the flesh fights with that. We do that every day. Every day, selfishness rises up and we want to be large and in charge sometimes reminders like this or driving by our church on Tuesday afternoon reminds us God I'm not giving you everything I haven't been in that building in two months and I call myself a Christian I love you Lord it's no longer about me I want to live different I want everything in my life to be about you. And then all those other things can follow. But without this relationship as primary, then nothing else matters. You see, these men, these disciples, they understood that to live different than other believers... And compl- they had to completely drop everything and follow Jesus. Retaining even a portion of their former life would actually deny their new life. Think about that. Retaining even a portion of your old life says that you're not enough, Jesus. You're not enough. I still need this. Dying to me says, none of this is worth it. All I need, Christ, is you. And I'm choosing to pursue you. Now, can I add, on the pursuit to making him everything, we're humans, right? We slip, we trip, we fall. And thank you, Pastor Jason, for sharing that this morning in our communion time. That's why we come to him and we say, God, I blew it again. I repent. Forgive me. I haven't made you my everything. But I'm making the decision to do so. That's what a commitment is. Both ways. As we declare our commitment to him, know this. When he died for you, he committed himself to you. And Timothy says that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. So can I encourage you this morning to make the decision to live different, to pursue Jesus at all costs. And when you trip and fall and you make something else more important than him, then remember that he's always faithful. Repent and get back on the road that you desire to be on. Amen? It's one love and one God. That's who Christ is calling us to. Are you willing this morning to live different? To dedicate yourself completely to His leading by by giving your lives, your time, your pleasures, your finances, your priorities, and living as a sacrifice, one That is holy and acceptable to him. This is what Christ is calling us to do. He doesn't want just believers. A lot of people believe in him. I just met a guy last night who I knew his father, and he simply said, Yeah, my dad's like, yeah, he believes. But he wouldn't be considered religious. And I know what he means. He doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but he believes in Him. Christ isn't looking for people to believe in Him. doesn't need more believers. He needs disciples. People who are willing to count the cost and pursue Him as everything in life worth pursuing. Amen. Amen. Could I pray over you this morning? And maybe Chris, if you would just play something quietly just as we pray. I don't, I don't, I'm not here to coerce. I'm not here to anything. I, I want you to reflect this morning just with this very simple question on the screen. Just between you and the Lord. Maybe if you have a spouse and you want to talk with them about this later, you have a good friend you want to go for coffee with and talk about, but I want you to ponder on this question this morning, but not not just till you get out the door. I'd like for you to ponder on this this week and ask yourself at work, in your neighborhood, at school, hanging out with friends, am I living different? Or am I like everyone else? I believe Holy Spirit will speak to us. He does a way better job than I could. Just talk to him and ask him. Be willing to be vulnerable and open. And he will speak to your hearts. Can I pray over you this morning? Father, Father, I just, I just want to start and say thank you for your tremendous sacrifice, the mercies that you have poured upon us, your willingness to surrender your own son so that we could have life, so that our debts could be paid. Jesus, thank you for responding positively, for being willing to die in our stead Jesus you've always been looking for disciples and you've always found them and in this room and online this morning are people who want to be your disciples so Holy Spirit I pray that you would speak to our hearts If there's anything I said this morning that put up a wall with people, then then God, have that forgotten from their minds so all that's heard is what you want heard. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would rise up within this church family in Little Current, here in Espanola, in homes, this passion to be built different. To live a life of passion and, and pursuit that says at all costs, I want you, Jesus. What this community needs, Lord, is not more of the same people, but different people. People who have surrendered all to Jesus. Who trust you fully. Who walk with tremendous hope and, and illogical peace because of... Of a relationship with you that is deep and healthy. So, Father, bless Little Current, the island, Espanola, surrounding communities. Bless them, Lord, with different people who know you in a profound way. And, Lord, as you speak to each heart by your Holy Spirit, give us the courage to respond positively and to be all in. I pray this now in your precious name. Amen.